This is the Wizard's Nightshirt Podcast, episode 42. Nightshirt. This is episode number 42. I'm Rebecca, and here with me are, straight from the Crystal Sea, the sorcerer of shrimp, Scott. <laughs> He's at a loss for words. Hi, hi everybody. <laughs> Just getting my sea legs back, or my, or whatever. <laughs> Spoken like my a earth, true... My earth legs. Spoken like a true shrimp. And the lactose leviathan, Will. My pills, my pills. At the Wizard's Nightshirt, we're revisiting He-Man, Masters of the Universe, and She-Ra, Princess of Power. Today, we're reviewing He-Man, Season 1, Episode 59, The Witch and the Warrior. This is also our monthly lightning round episode. That means we'll be pulling out the stopwatch for a quick review of several episodes that happened between our main episodes. As always, you can check our episode guide on the website if you'd like to follow along. And we have some good ones during our lightning round this time. Not really, no. You might add some good ones. ones. Well, I make the assignment, so I had good ones. (laughs) Okay, yeah, exactly. (laughs) We see what's going on in that spreadsheet. (laughs) But let's hear more from Rebecca about this week's episode. Why does it have to be me talking about it? Well, uh, Because you're the host of the episode this time. It said Rebecca. Okay. Rebecca the host. <laughs> but Will didn't scratch it off this time. I know. Well, but then also Will just starts talking, and then I don't know when he's ready to stop. So, um, The original air date of this was November 23rd, 1983. In this episode, Tila and Evil Lynn get stranded alone in the desert and must work together to stop an evil wizard and secure their escape. Wah, wah, wah. So this episode had it all. There's sorcery, there's desert, desert monsters, there's hairdos that's sultan looking guy and yes mm-hmm. with the gold medallion so like i generally speaking is this, is this and this is also the first time we've ever seen clawful right i think I so think i was so. all excited what, what, because what is, I, I was confused at first because he had a lizard head and then they started calling him clawful and i'm like why is he called oh yeah and, he, he, had and he doesn't look like the toy no he, he doesn't very look like confusing. a toy at all i was so excited because i thought i had his first appearance in my lightning round but we got him here and so this preceded your lightning round? I don't yeah. remember. We'll see We'll see when we get this to it. This is certainly the first time that we have seen Clawful, mm-hmm. so yeah. You're right, it did have it all. It was a, a Paul Dini episode. It was totally Tila. It was great Evil End stuff. It was, and I, you know, I'm not going to give away my score too soon, but I've, I'll say I enjoyed this one. It was mm-hmm. fun. Agree. It was fun. Yeah, it was yeah. good. So the title of this episode, The Witch and the Warrior, uh, we, we've talked before about, you know, what kind of uh, class we would be if we were part of picking like a party in Neverwinter Nights or, you know, uh, Dragon Age type game. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if Evelyn is the witch and then Tila is the warrior, is that a good is that a good pair? Is that a good team? Is that who you want to take? Who are they, you? They are they are well balanced. I do feel like thinking about your character class is an interesting one because I feel like you tend to do that in everything you do your whole life, like in every video game you play, uh, anytime you're pretending to be somebody, you, you usually have one of those archetypes. You're usually going to be like the mage or the warrior or the archer or the cleric or something like that. That is true. You, you tend to have your style that you mm-hmm. just go for. And it's not so much a play style. 
usually as it is just kind of your overall personality mm-hmm. and how you approach things. Yeah, it's 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 hard for me. I always like the wizards and stuff like that. Uh-huh. It's hard. It's really hard for me to do a warrior or something like that. just me because too. just because I don't like I I don't I I don't like uh, brute force attacks uh-huh. as much. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I like to. Uh, Use my wands and do something. What's well, great? It's, I guess because it's creative. It's like almost like painterly or something. Yeah, oh, it's painterly. That's and not, lovely. And not, not necessarily <laughs> the warrior's the dumb one or anything like that, but you feel a little bit. <laughs> Watch what you more... saying, Scott. This <laughs> <laughs> is about to talk about how I'm a warrior. I, okay, I, no. Yeah, no, a little, it's just it's just more brute force. That's it. There's an art to it, but that's fine. Mm. No, um, yeah, and I'm exactly the opposite. Like, I, I will always gravitate toward the warrior class, at least first. And, um, I mean, it's rare in a game if it can actually make you go outside that zone. And I'll say, like, some games do a good job of allowing you to play a different style. And some games force you to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, like, what works. Like, I'm, I, I think it's no secret here that I'm, like, a big Bethesda fangirl. I think that's really pretty much the only... Uh, you know, developer whose games I almost genuinely all the time love. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, what works for you originally when you're thinking, oh, well, I'm just a warrior, like, you know, sword and shield, here I go. Then, you know, like in Skyrim, they did a really nice job of making you able to switch between stealth uh-huh. and combat as needed. And there were a lot of really fun things they on the skill trees. They did that in the trees. new Mass Effect 2. You could, you could switch between classes, which was new and totally confused me. Because I feel like it's almost, <laughs> you're like, I'm it's a almost, mage. almost cheating because part of your character is learning to work with your own weakness. Is too, so it's kind of weird, right? Yeah, I, I think they probably just wanted to give more flexibility. To I'm people. sure, I'm sure. They, like halfway through the game, they're like, "No, nah, <laughs> right, right. I don't want to be the warrior anymore. <laughs> I feel like more of an archer now. Mm-hmm. It's like I wanted that invisibility, but the game wasn't really made for that. I would always pick the mages too, but I I pick them. I think I picked them in part because I get really stressed out about the messiness of a close quarter melee. Once it gets there, I'm just like, ooh, ooh, gross! It's a mess and it's chaotic, and I don't know what's going to happen. I like I want to orchestrate something before uh, from afar, set all the pieces in order so I can just set the trap, watch everything fall into place, and it's clean. Okay, now we can all walk forward a little bit. That's the way I want to be in a battle. I mean, that that makes sense, and in some games, really force you not force you to do that but reward you for doing that Mm -hmm. which i enjoy and um i feel the fallout series was always really good about uh making you think very carefully about every shot you take Uh or at least in the in the games where ammunition was more scarce i I liked being tested in that way but Mm -hmm. yeah and and the thing is i almost never play mages in Mm -hmm. any of those games in any kind of game i don't know why but it's never really appealed to me and all of the 200 plus hours I put into the different Elder Scrolls games, I don't think I ever played a straight mage. I don't know why. I love Evelyn though. She's a great mage. Mm-hmm. You have such great role models. Why well, don't you just regardless do of it? your class, it, it, it's, it's important you're always just testing your limits somehow. And there's certain ways they're satisfying for you. Yes, yeah, so like, like we learned in this episode. That is true. <laughs> and you can team up with people. Let <laughs> me come too and become one kind of friends awkward friends frenemies this is malik and in part one it's best you forget how weird i was in a prior episode yeah so um let's talk about the problem here that's starting us out in the episode let's do that we've got uh, a desert town 
Eridan? That sounds right. Arid, there we go. And uh, we've got a sorcerer named Malik who has been summoned to come guard this fountain of life mm-hmm. because uh, somebody is trying to get at it. Or maybe everybody's always trying to get at <laughs> it. And also everyone's always trying to get at <laughs> it. Interesting fact here. I don't remember how much we talked about this or if you remember, but in an earlier lightning round, we met Malik before. He was Tila's old boyfriend. Oh, who he was, was. He was weirdly possessive. That's who that and was. captured her. And, oh no! And then, uh, but and then he was under under the thrall of that weird little demon thing, and then he learned his lesson. So I wait. Did he capture her while he was under the thrall of a demon, or was that just like boyfriend stuff? <laughs> um, I think it was while he was under the thrall of the demon, but he clearly had some attachment issues. And they okay. met when Tila was going to wizard school before she decided she was going to switch majors. Tila, that's what we call a red flag. Okay. <laughs> yes. That is not good. If your partner is that possessive. So it's so it's good that Malik has his own things to do out in the desert for a little while. It, it is good. I did not realize that that's who that was. Yeah. I do think it's funny. I did make a note of the fact that Malik is... Oh, that, oh, that was a Paul Dini episode, too. So oh, okay. he must have had his own little... Uh, Characters that he yeah. used. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Malik is the first sorcerer in Eternia who works out. Yes. He, he does not have to hide behind robes uh-huh. to, to, you know, like, you know... <laughs> Hide his thunder. Y'all got any muscle milk out here? <laughs> yeah. Malik is, he's doing spells, but he's also lifting some weights around. Mm-hmm. You, know. like, you drink that camel milk. It gets you <laughs> real big. So, uh, yeah, there, there, there's no um, toot concealing robes here. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, I'll the, never forget that. The, the, the question is, is, is in, the other, in the prior episode, was he also wearing the green tunic? Yeah, I okay, think so. Right, right. I don't remember him being that buff, though, in my mind. Well, probably know. he got sad about Tila, and he's like, I'm never going to get a woman if I don't get big. Yeah. Which is not correct, Malik. Just, you know, she'll love you for who you are when you find the right person. Well, when the rest of the people look, even like the, the poor people look like they're ripped. <laughs> I mean, you know. I can't compete. <laughs> These peasants are stealing Tila from me. She's dating Ram Man, for God's sake. <laughs> what? <laughs> Uh, and so um, that's what he's doing. So we've got Malik. Um, so I'm like, it's the return of Malik here. And um, we learned that someone named Kothos is the particular enemy trying to get this fountain, get at this fountain, and all of its life-giving waters, um, which is apparently a, a big thing, like uh, fountains that give life in waters and so forth. That, that keeps happening in the series. It happens in one of my lightning round episodes. And it happened in another one of mine mm-hmm. too, actually. So I keep getting the invention episodes, but yes, this is a favorite. This is a favorite yeah. of He-Man. Water, water that gives life. It's like um, that uh, Advocare-like stuff. They're like, just use some of this powder and then buy it for me for $20. Who put crystal light in the fountain of life? <laughs> I did! Kiwi strawberries the best. <laughs> no, I'm not going to get into that. I was... <laughs> I was going to talk about crystal light flavors for a moment, <laughs> but that's probably not a good idea. That's my, not that's not the chit chat. Yeah, my parents always always use the crystal light iced tea. It wasn't really iced tea. Just just make iced tea, and just put a little bit of sugar in it, and that just don't put a lot of sugar in. It. I guess that that artificial tea and sweeter flavors in the '90s they were not on point yet. I would say that that was probably not very good. No, right? it was. Yeah, you were like, it's kind of tea. It's kind of tea. Kind of tea. If you want tea that's artificially sweetened that tastes good, Gold Peak Diet Tea. That is my jam. If you're into sweet tea. And that's tea, what they drink now. And that's what they, Is that right? Yeah, that's so what they, they drink now. And they've leveled up. So what an age we live in that you can make sweet tea with no sugar. That tastes pretty good. And this is coming from a Southern certified 
tea snob is not the right word because we're not snobby about anything. Tea so, eater. Tea so eater. we're imagining that the fountain of life in the desert spits out gold. Was it? Gold peak. Gold peak. Yeah, diet, diet. tea. Well, diet. no wonder everybody's trying to get it. And everyone's trying to get it. <laughs> everyone's trying to get it. The evil wizard Kothos will stop at nothing to get the fountain's magic waters. I hope my powers will be enough to stop him. Kothos sends a demon to try to get it. I guess just sort of say like, eh, maybe it's this easy. Yeah. And, so, <laughs> and, then, and then the demon's like, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's making uh, shadow beast noises. Yeah. He engages in a little bad nature jug throwing to, you know, get people, to get after people. Um, although if that was the jug he was using to try to get the water from the fountain, that probably is not going to help his cause very much now that he shattered it on people's heads. But you do you, demon, okay? We're, That's we're quite a plan. That. I'm going to send this demon with a jug. Yeah. <laughs> demon with a jug is probably a good plan for a lot Let's of Let's just teams. see. Let's just see if it's that easy. You don't, I mean, don't try your hardest plan yet. Just send a demon with a jug. See if you can get it. So what are some other schemes where we might send a demon with a jug as our person? It's like uh, maple syrup caper. Like, you know, this is like me go to Canada. <laughs> Me see what I get. Me open pancake house. Like maybe there's that. Um, I feel like I feel like he's going. He goes get like a to a brewery and tries to like steal like a. <laughs> yeah. um, what are they some called? spirits. Yeah, some spirits or some beer. <laughs> says, I guess mostly just secret recipes of different kinds. Okay. Just, just. But then also probably if there's like a devil went down to Georgia scenario and, and they need someone to accompany Charlie Daniels on his on his hot violin, then maybe Demon with a Chuck could be the guy who plays. There you go. He's 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 part of the jug the jug band. Yeah, he's yeah he's in the uh, low. And, I, and low on the lead. jug, demon on a jug. Demon on a jug. <laughs> Woo! I got distracted five years ago, and here I am. Freebird. <laughs> everything on stone mountain i've left stone mountain for a while tila because of the uh demon attack malik uh contacts he has an excuse to contact tila now <laughs> tila is bad can you call me back that's so funny <laughs> i just did not did not even yeah, know yeah it, it colors the whole thing a little different it does yeah now i'm th- now i'm thinking now he's trying to prove that. him prove that he's normal and it's just kind of awkward Yes, so let's talk about Kothos, this uh, sorcerer behind all this um, mischief. Mm -hmm. The wizard Kothos has sworn to steal the fountain's magic water. Without the fountain, the city will die. He-Man has come all this way, expecting trouble. Well, far be it from me to disappoint him. Basically, when you're evil and you retire to Miami, (laughs) that's what you look like. You look like Kothos. You know, he's got a large and in charge... You know, a, a Ric Flair tan gold medallion, which we mentioned, unbuttoned blouse, mm-hmm. and maybe some belting so that the blouse billows in a in an enticing way. If you're into, <laughs> when, if you're when into he's fanned by his, <laughs> when he's by fan, his minion, by his uh, his orc minions or whoever. I, I, I feel like when he was laying down on there and the two guys were around him, he looked he looked very um, Star Wars. I was oh, just going to say this. I, I definitely think that's what they were going I for. I think so too. It really had yeah. all the trappings of Jabba's palace. Yeah. Um, because the orc guards looked exactly like, oh, I can't remember, but the, 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 the pig guys who, yeah, are, yeah. who are guards. And um, the, his castle had that same decor. And we'll talk about it, but at the very end, he got turned into a slug, just like J- Jabba. Yep, yep. So um, I definitely think that's what was going on. Into, okay. Yeah. Okay. I, think, I, think, I think that's exactly right. Yeah, so um, 
how did Skeletor get involved? He just, Skeletor, he's just a busy like body. usual, Skeletor had some spies and heard he was working on it, so he got mad and said, well, I want it. <laughs> right, mm-hmm. which I'm always glad of because, like, like I've mentioned before, any episode where we don't have Skeletor, I'm always missing him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's good. He sends Evil in and... As I originally wrote, a robot snake with clicky hands. That's Clawful. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's well, clawful. I was, um, if we can talk about Clawful for just a moment, he was one of those um, characters whose toy did not resemble him too much. And not only was I shocked by his appearance, but his voice didn't suit him. Um, no, I don't yeah, think. It was, it was a little weird. I mean, you can't do Merman for all the sea based things, but his voice sounds exactly like yelling in a racquetball court. Yeah, well then. Let's get tricky. <laughs> it's, a, it's that yeah, kind they, of they added like an echo to really, really bouncy uh, echo on his voice. It's very yeah. strange. Like he has, his head was hollow or something. Yes. Yeah. I, I guess they wanted it to sound sort of like under the sea or something. I wish they would have done like, you know, like a, like that. Oh, sort that's of a thing great idea. Yeah. Like a, oh, I would have like gone for that. Like, oh. hello. That would also match mm-hmm. with his claws, kind of yeah. like claws clicking. Yeah. I like that idea. Like his mouth's clicking or whatever. We could do better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we know how to do better. Well, we fixed that. He sends Evelyn and Clawful, and Evelyn is stopped by Tila on this escapade almost instantly. And uh, this happens as He-Man is fighting a sand-shifting summoning of Kothos. Mm-hmm. When that was a creative little fight, I I like thought, that, too. Um, because like this monster, it could have just been a standard, you know, punch the rock demon, but there was some fun in it because they alternately changed from like solid to sand. Um, now I was going to say that the sand guy in my, um, and one of my lightning rounds, um, they were used him. <laughs> oh, good. Hey, he's such a good design. <laughs> he was also a sand guy that was produced. <laughs> Um, so it was, I was like, I was like, is that the same? They're yeah, like, this is too good. We got to use it again. But he's, a, but in, in my episode, he's either sand or rock. Mm-hmm. He's not, he's not like invisible. So he's a little different. They keep, uh, cutting between, uh, inside the temple where the, uh, life water is and the He-Man's fight. But while we're on the topic of He-Man fighting this thing, the way he f- uh, defeats it is he waits till it becomes, uh, soft again. Then He-Man uses his, uh, blowing wind powers just to blow, blow the sand until he's not continent anymore, I guess. He also uses those powers to blow a dandelion to make a wish. And since he has the power to grant his own wishes, that's how He-Man is the most powerful man in the universe. When Tila confronts Evil Lynn, uh, she's basically distracting uh, Evil Lynn long enough for backup to arrive. But while uh, they're trading blows, the uh, temple takes off in the sky. Yes, and so Kothos does that because he's just like, I'm just going to get the whole temple um, with Evil Lynn and Tila still in it. But then he wants to just get rid of them because, you know, they're a nuisance. And so he is able to take Evil Lynn's powers and put them into a gem that he is holding and keeps. And then he zoops them to the desert, both of them. Yeah. And, and meanwhile, uh, He-Man's outside in the sand and Clawful grabs him and pulls him under. <laughs> oh, some yeah. underground something. Yeah, that was, pre- that was pretty something. spooky. That was that was that took me a while to process what had actually happened there. But that was a pretty cool idea. And yeah. they just sort of leave, leave that that plot thread uh, hanging uh, in suspense for a little bit. This is Eva Lynn in Act 2. Everyone loves my haircut! This is all your fault. I'm powerless and stranded in the middle of the desert. Well, and somehow they get, he expels them out, right? Into the desert. Kothos, yeah, like a, like a magic spell, just kind of like, bing. 
joke. Well, I did love the difference between um, Tila and Evil Lynn's companionship and uh, She-Ra and Hordak's uh, uh, companionship. Immediately, I love how the two women work together. Don't even question it. They both agree immediately. Like, yeah, we'll call a truce and we're going to work together to get out of here. Like, I love how they did not uh, beat around the bush about that and have a lot of unnecessary confrontation. They're like, yeah, obviously that's what we should do. Now, the way I see it, we have two choices. One, we can sit here arguing. Or we can work together to get ourselves out of this wasteland. Uh, me, I'll take choice number two. All right. A true sin. I liked all of that. That was all written really well. Yeah, no, it was a fun pairing. It really was. I, I thought it was going to be fun, and then it was. So um, that's good. I also love how Eva Lynn just keeps grimacing, and so it's really, like, working her cheekbones a lot. Like, I thought that animation was so funny. Like, she's just disgusted to be out <laughs> in the desert. She does not love it. And then, <laughs> before I get to this... Um, I also really enjoyed that little coy smile that He-Man gives as he finally hucks Clawful like through a wall and like into the Oh yeah, we've cut over to He-Man fighting space. Clawful. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, they tussle and whatever. You lots probably, of tumbling. Lots of tumbling. With your boy brains, you probably learned more. He wrapped Clawful up in a stone blanket and, oh, then, right. and then literally threw him through the wall into, uh, into Snake Mountain. Yes. Yeah. So like a million miles away. Yeah. The way I had to well, think of... I don't of, understand why Why don't they travel like that? Why doesn't he just toss people? Uh, and then they have a parachute. It's funny. Rebecca was talking about your boy brains probably did more with that than hers. I made myself try to think of some logic for, you know, why wouldn't he just use this finishing move all the time? I think it must work like a video game finishing move. I think he had to earn enough capital in the fight to charge up his meters to be able to pull off something like that. Like he has to get like two perfect rounds. Like and this is his, yeah. It's, yeah. Then yeah. he can execute the super move like in one of the super street like fighter games. Sand people. Already. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe he um, got one dandelion wish and he can only store one. And then, so his dandelion wish was to be able to, th <laughs> to throw yeah. 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 thematically yeah. our video games are miles <laughs> apart here. I think <laughs> I, I, so. I, I really love how when he crashes into Snake Mountain, uh, uh, Skeletor's like, it's been hours since, <laughs> since they've been around. Where are they? <laughs> and then he comes crashing in. Uh, yeah, that that was super fun. Evelyn had better not fail me as well. Come on. We have to keep moving. It's impossible. I can't go on in this heat. I need water. I guess you've had to rely on your magic for everything. So we uh, cut back to the desert with um, Evelyn and Tila and get to see their um, relationship grow a little bit. So what, what 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 are we looking at here? Okay, here's what we're looking at. You talk about their relationship and fighting and punching. We get to see Evelyn's hairdo yeah, yeah. Cool. for the first time. It was cool. Yeah. And she's got a platinum buzz like Annie Lennox. And, yeah, um, I thought it was a really cool choice. It was an awesome Especially look. like in the... I don't know that this was a common haircut then that you would have seen either. It was kind of a bold move. It was neat. Actually, yeah. It, if, if this was 83, this even predates the Madonna, when Madonna did it for the first oh, time. Interesting. In her, um, I, I'm pretty sure that it'd still be a couple of years or a year or two before when she did it. Um, so anyway, I, yeah, no, that's I'm awesome. I'm, I'm trying to think of the, the, um, the model from James Bond and she was a famous, she was a African-American, uh, model and she had the, she had the buzz like that. Come on, uh, Iman? Uh, or you or, or, no, no. You're talking about the Conan the actress. Oh yeah, Grace 
Jones, played by Grace Jones. There you go. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I don't know if this is a spoiler for us, but later in a She-Ra episode, Grace Jones makes a cameo in She-Ra. And Does she play Grace Jones? She plays a character named Huntara who looks exactly like Grace Jones. That's awesome. It's coming up pretty soon. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I can't wait. So anyway, that haircut was uh, was pretty cool. Yeah, like the, the white, yeah. the white buzz cut. Did you, did you did you think it was white? I I was kind of expecting black, but it's just because it's, I know. You know um, and uh, do you think it turned white because she saw something that was like yes, <laughs> yes, I liked like, it, like a Frankenstein yeah. sort of thing. I wanted to imagine it was because of some spell or something she summoned. Something about her witchcraft made her hair white. I mm-hmm. hope that's a great boy theory, but that's that's <laughs> platinum blonde. That's not that's not white. Platinum from, blonde. I don't think from, it's platinum blonde. It you is. think it's like like a. Uh, uh, Children of the she, she did of the she did that she went to evil nails and got her nails done and then she got her hair bleached she totally did she went because she still has black she went eyebrows to catcher's lady yeah she, whoever does catcher's work <laughs> good, good stuff this is clawful I could have been helpful in Act Three oh and I notice your warrior skill does you a lot of good in the desert. Yes. As a matter of fact, I can put my training to very good use out here. Oh, oh yeah. So uh, here's where we see uh, Evelyn start to get complaining about like the desert and not having her powers, which is funny because that I would definitely be complaining too if I were in the desert without my powers. And Tila cuts open a cactus and, and shows Evelyn how to drink from it. And I loved that. And so I was wondering if you ever had anything in your life where you learned survival training via dubious methods and then you like thought you were real slick because you used it. We, we, we used to pretend like make like um, forts in the woods and pretend like we had survival skills. You're like, this is going to be our shelter. This will survive a rainstorm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in Boy Scouts, we were required to make shelters that would actually work uh, to get a merit badge, but I remember like saying mine wouldn't work. Well, I'm saying I'm saying that when you learn to do it the right way, I remember half of the uh, patrols uh, shelters fell in on them in the night they were supposed to spend in their shelter. They fell half of them. Yeah, yeah, like everybody just fell apart because there was a bunch of stupid kids trying to read something <laughs> out of a book, and they still got the merit badge. So. <laughs> Did you ever think about how if you had to like make seawater and drinking water, how you were going to do that? That's something that I thought about a lot when I was a kid. I don't know why. It's better to drink your pee. <laughs> <laughs> just saying, it's better. You don't, don't don't ever drink salt water. Just in general, because it'll just not. But, but there's not a good. way where you can take plastic and you can like have the condensation like with the fire, like drip off into a pan and then you can drink that. Mm-hmm. I learned that from the Voyage of the Mimi. Yeah, you- <gasps> Shout out to Voyage of the Mimi. Did you ever have to watch that? It was the stupidest, worst, like science class TV show movie thing you would have to watch. It starred a young Ben Affleck. I swear to you, and I am not making this up. It is the most terrible, terrible story of kids on a science boat. Called the Mimi. That sounds pretty rough. <laughs> it was it bad. Does. I and like the movie a, Hatchet. It had a yeah, theme like that song too. that go like with a flute. It was like do 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 it was like the stupidest thing ever and i used to have to watch it in like science class like in f- i remember wanting to be asleep the whole time didn't you guys have bill nye 
<laughs> Apparently not. We just had Voyage of the Meeting. Her teacher needed magazine time. Just whatever was laying around. <laughs> I, I, it's, it, it sounds familiar. I, I have no recollection. You probably of it, didn't. Though. It was weird and outdated when we watched it. It was just like a, a videotape that the was science on, teacher had. Was it on like the 18 millimeter or 8 millimeter or whatever? It was, I think it was on VHS. I think it was okay. that modern, but not much more modern than that. It was It was rough, though. Anybody want to talk to me? Max. Y'all want to talk to me about Voyage of the Mimi and say, yes, I remember that theme song yes i fell asleep then email us at rumors at the wizards i want to hear about the voyage of the mimi i know i'm not making this up and if aliens find a laser disc of voyage of the mimi they'll be like <laughs> this civilization was lame <laughs> and then they'll leave us alone thank you voyage of the mimi <laughs> or they'll try to have whale sounds like and to talk to them you know what that sounds like a plot line of voyage of the mimi i don't remember that but i do remember the thing about drinking water so anyway scott can drink his pee and i will drink (laughs) plastic water (laughs) if you're on a boat you're not going to start a fire to 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 condensate oh i was thinking stranded on an island but i think this will motivate you to learn how to uh make water with plastic because Otherwise, you'd be like, oh, I can't remember how to do that. Scott says to drink pee. Here we go. <laughs> so, so if you don't learn how to do this, you have to drink pee I with see- Scott. Sorry. <laughs> I've seen the movie Waterworld. <laughs> yeah, you want to live in water pee-filled water world, also also known as Amer- all of America's water parks, or do you want to learn how to drink water the right way? And public pools. And public pools. Don't go to a water park. Oh, my God. I want to talk. I want to talk just a little bit about the neat um, companionship we saw with um, Tila and Evil Lynn when um, Tila was cutting open that cactus. There was a fun little exchange where they were just talking about how, how um, everything Evil Lynn learned from being a sorceress and everything Tila learned from being a warrior. And Evil Lynn recoiled a little bit when. Um, Tila pulled out her sword because she thought she was going to strike her with it. And she was like, you got to learn to trust people. And then later that night, um, Evil Lynn builds a campfire to prove she has some know-how. And they have like an honest, frank discussion yeah. about their motives, which I thought was really interesting. I, I thought it was interesting, too. And Evil Lynn s- says straight out that everything she does, she does for power. And she has no loyalty to Skeletor. Mm-hmm. Like, she's not serving him like a... Like a minion, you know, or like Beast Man who just wants a dad. <laughs> like mm-hmm. she's just in it so she can get a foothold on on you know ruling something somewhere. Which which makes you think that she has some sort of uh, interesting history. Like what what made her be that way? I would put her on a list of the very few who I think could be redeemed. I think she and Beast Man could be redeemed and brought over. Oh yeah. Well, I you think, saw. I think, well, I think most of them they're kind of ruled with an iron fist. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I. I my heart goes out to Mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that. He's kind of sweet. They're sea brothers. And, you know, he's friends with Beast Man. He would be I mean, persuaded that, of Beast Man. That, that, well, that whole exchange between the him and Beast Man. The bandwagon effect. The whole exchange between him and Beast Man you know, yeah. a couple episodes ago was just like, you know, you're like, oh, they're just kind of like regular guys. Yeah. Trap Jaw would stay. Yeah, Triclops tra- yeah. would stay. Yeah. The Snake Men are just morons. They would stay. <laughs> Clawful yeah. seems like he could... Yeah, no. I think Clawful's uh, an up-and-comer. I think I think he'll stay. Yeah, I think he'd stay, yeah. too. Too bad, really. We make a nice team, you and I. In a strange way, we do. Well, what else do we get to see from them the next day after the campfire? Um, Evil Lynn 
shows off her know-how. She says she studied uh, all manner of uh, vicious creatures, and so she knows to just keep walking and ignore the scavengers that have been stalking them. But the scavengers leave, and they figure out pretty quick that's a bad sign because something meaner is around. And it's a sand devil. And then um, he, uh, Tila and Evelyn work together to heave a boulder mm-hmm. onto the sand devil to to get rid of it, which was great. Was I, I great. thought this was so much a, such a better way to um, have the odd pairing together to show them working together in interesting ways without having the tedious um, fights and the unnecessary problems. You just you like to see how they interact, not not an obstacle that we just have to endure. Yeah, why, why, why didn't the uh, the writer of the other one with Hordak and stuff look at this episode? Such uh, a lost uh, opportunity. It yeah. really was a missed opportunity, like, because this is this is how you do it, you know? And it's still in a way that's fun for kids. It should make you wonder what if, like what possibilities are there and adds, adds a whole new depth to the character. Here come my friends. We can leave right away. Yes, so meanwhile, uh, He-Man, Duncan, Battle Cat, and Malik are going in a tech track to Kothos' stronghold in the mountains because they figured that's where he would have taken the temple and the fountain, etc. And so they're they're working on that here at the same time. Going. Yeah, so the, the trolls, are, uh, do they call it anything? Oh, the orcs. The, yeah, orcs, the orcs, the orcs, the, the Kothos orcs. Um, they, the, so Evil Lynn and Tila have an idea to leave their helmets there. Mm-hmm. And they find them and they're like, oh, they got eaten by the sand worm or whatever the mm-hmm. hell it was. And so then they go back and tell Kothos that they they died, which was which was a pretty cool. I love seeing him hold the two uh, uh, helmets. It was they like cool little magic artifacts. Yeah. It was it was really neat to see them uh, on their own. Yeah, I thought that was really clever too. I and, really liked that. And while Kothos is um, uh, ad- admiring the helmets, um, Evil Lynn and Tila uh, pop up out of nowhere because they followed the orcs back to uh, Kothos's lair. Sorry to spoil your plans, Kothos. But I'm taking this back. Yeah, so they they also had their own plan to go back and get Kothos, which I really appreciated because, you know, if you're sitting here writing this story, obviously you have everything has to converge at the Mm -hmm. end and the ultimate confrontation. However, it would have been totally easy for He-Man and crew to take care of Kothos and then have Evelyn and Tila just kind of catch up with him at the end. Oh, here, here's another lazy way they might have handled that is Tila and Evelyn get captured and brought to exactly. the base and then He-Man comes and saves them. And like, you know, God bless Paul Dini for not doing that mm-hmm. because that would have been very tired and very, you know, just, ugh, come on now. Well, yeah, um, I mean, he, he was, he. Uh, I, I'm, I'm glad that he did because he was focusing more on them. Yeah, that was much more interesting and, and they deserve more because they're, they're, they're great characters. And I love the line that um, Evil Lynn had where she tells Teal, that was a good sneaky idea you had. And that was like a compliment from her. (laughs) That was great. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that was very charming. That was a good sneaky idea you had. Oh, I wish I had thought of it. Coming from you, I'll take that as a compliment. So now He-Man and pals show up. Yeah, they all meet up. At about the same time for a confrontation. And immediately when He-Man shows up, he pronounces Kothos' name wrong. We're here to even the sides, Kothos. <laughs> what did he say? We're here, Kothos. <laughs> We're here, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter what your name is. You're about to get whooped. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then all, all the orcs get, everyone fights an orc and everyone gets their turn. And I do like that Orko is also in on it. And yeah, it that help, was fun and help, too. And helps, uh, what's his name, Green Vest? 
Yeah, Malik. Uh, yeah. yeah Malik, well, uh, Orc is a knight of the realm. He needs to be pulling his weight at these <laughs> points. That's true. This point. yeah. He's and, doing it. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, and I, I did it. Uh, and then finally, uh, they, they fight um, Evil Lynn and uh, Kothos. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so Evil Lynn uh, has her powers back and she uh, turns him into, at first, it looked like just a big pile of poop. <laughs> yeah, but then and he started slurring and talking like this. Yeah. But then he, she, I, I called him an upsetting blurg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> he was like tar colored and and. But he he um he he says he says I'm a sand slug. So definitely they were thinking Jabba definitely. at this point. Yeah. yeah. What have you done to me? I've become a sandstorm. Yeah, and then um, they kind of collapse at the same time. And and while Evelyn is out, uh, He-Man uses water from the Fountain of Life to revive her. Which was also really cool, yeah. I thought. Um, and so uh, to give her thanks and save face, Evelyn gives him a few insults, but agrees not to try to take any of the water of oh, life. I love when... Um, in, in, in these shows when a villain like is at the end of the thing and they've, they've really messed up and they're just like, they've done something terrible with an artifact or some source of power. They always say something along the lines of like, I'm done with fountains. Like, just, just like no, no more fountains for me. I'm good. And in one of my lightning round episodes, there's like, like we have an idiot young mage and she's like, I'm done with spell books. Like that, that this is what you say when you totally, you're just like, you're, you're not going to try. You already established. I'm an old so-and-so, but also I'm done with spell books. I've had enough of fountains and you to last a lifetime. And um, Evelyn leaves Tila with these parting words. Farewell, partner. Our truce is over. <laughs> she chooses to do a fireball. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm like, okay. I'm like, I thought you'd just transport yourself, but fireball is much better. Yeah. And then so our moral is basically make the best of a bad situation. Tila gives it, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And um and we're out, and I gotta say I really really liked this I one. I did too. It was so fun. This is like Paul Dini at his best, and I was just I was so into it. I was a little um worried when we were uh, starting, and it looked like as like they were borrowing too much from a uh, Star Wars or something. Even the palace guards looked uh, looked a little too much yeah, like with that. Yeah, with the with the helmets and everything. Yeah, yeah like yeah. the seventies helmets and everything. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, for for all the reasons we we talked about, I mean, what great character development um, and how great it was that uh, he followed those two instead of focusing on He Man. I don't know. I I would say I would give this one. 4.6 sand slugs. Yeah, I'll give this 4.6 sand slugs. And I had this rated 4.8. Um, this is as good as... You Anything know, you've seen so far? So far, yeah. And, and and I think it didn't quite get as... I didn't get quite as excited as maybe with She-Ra Unchained, but this had so many great things in it. Mm-hmm. And um, I was... Yeah, no, I, just, I really enjoyed it. Just totally solid. I think, I think it could have been even better for me if I knew that there was any continuity to this, that we're going to acknowledge that the, these moments happen in future episodes. It would have made me appreciate it even more, but it was great. It was great. What do yeah. you think, Scott? Yeah. It'll be future Paul Dini episodes. <laughs> yeah. I guess so. He does tend to pull on his old stuff. So maybe you're right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I'll split the difference to do 4.7. Okay. Right. Yeah. No, it was, it was, it was really good. Uh, yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed this, this episode. It was one of the better He-Mans I've seen. Good stuff. Cool. Good stuff. <laughs> 
Okay, it's time for the lightning round. We'll be using actual lightning. So the rules are... <laughs> there it goes. Warm up the lightning machine, Scott. <laughs> and uh, the rules are... Uh, we're watching these episodes so that you don't have to, but if there's one you may want to check out, we'll let you know. And if they're terrible and you can skip them, then you'll be glad that we took that bullet. Um, that lightning bullet. I don't know. Those are mixed metaphors. Anyway, this is our fifth round of lightning um, round episodes. And uh, we got new characters. We got totally Tila, bummer kids. We got, it, we, we got it all. So I think these were assigned kind of by who would do a good job with them, Yeah, I, I, I tried to pick ones I think we would, we would each respectively enjoy this time to make it a little more interesting. And then so each time we have 11, apparently, and one of us is the lucky boy or lucky girl because we True. only get three episodes, and today I am the lucky girl. It is a highly co coveted <laughs> honor uh, every time we do this. <laughs> to only have to watch, like, like four. or Three you know, instead, instead of four. Of four. Yeah. Like, it, it's, it's great. Yeah, I had to add a new column in the spreadsheet that says lucky boy or girl, and every we dash to see who it is every time. Yes. I'm also going to uh, do a little countdown of, like, one of 11 to 11 three of 11 just to sort of help us keep place of where we are so these don't all run together we're just trying things out we'll see what happens all right so uh first we got will is going to give us oh yes one of 11 yeah one of 11 uh i'm reviewing he-man season one episode 49 return of the griffin or as they spell it griffon all right go okay in this episode beast man and trap jaw steal a sacred stone overnight and agree to come back and get it when they can see it better at least that was what i thought <laughs> there was some good animation here with beast man putting his hands on his hips and saying ah we'll be here all night the next morning a royal page named thad finds the griffin stone that beast man left behind he thinks this will make him special Tila speaks to him and he thinks it's because of the stone. A griffin shows up, but technically it's probably closer to a chimera or manticore because it has the head of a lion. It might just be a lion that learned to fly. Anyway, the griffin wants its stone and He-Man fights it, but that is insecure brat and won't give up the stone. Meanwhile, He-Man shows off some new hair combing animation and all the villagers evacuated, which was nice to see, even if there were only two villager models. It was weird. Turns out that the stone was an egg and Thad jumps out of the wind raider to save the baby griffin. In the debriefing, everyone agrees that everyone is special. In the moral, Man-at-Arms said that he saw Thad become a man when he saved that griffin but I, I say what Thad did was dangerous 2.9 manticore unibrows very good that was under a minute and you know what is hilarious of course man at arms is impressed because it's a flying thing and so oh like, yeah yeah and now we're going to worship yeah. that griffin <laughs> he saved a bird we should erect a statue to commemorate it Thad the hero <laughs> Thad the great they called him <laughs> alright 2 of 11 Scott what do you got I got uh, He-Man Season 1, Episode 50, Temple of the Sun. All right, go for it. Uh, it starts off, you see a, a, a scraggly homeless man crawling towards the Temple of the Sun. He falls into the temple and finds the scarab that changes, and he changes into Neptune, the Egyptian wizard. He then takes, takes down Zor and makes her the symbol of his kingdom. Sorceress calls on He-Man to save her. He-Man comes, but he doesn't change... But he doesn't change Cringer, which was kind of odd. Oh, Because Cringer didn't want to change. Oh, so Cringer, Cringer gets swept up by a tornado and <laughs> wants to get changed back into Battle Cat. <laughs> <laughs> He-Man makes glass out of sand by rubbing his hands really fast and then makes an aquarium for a giant scorpion. Zor tries to get away, and then he uh, she's changed into a crystal... Crystal... Uh, what is it, Falcon? Uh, He-Man bashes some sand monsters... He uses his power sword on the scarab and breaks it. The scarab is now 
a bird fountain, and the homeless man is tending to the flowers. Awesome. <laughs> that was perfect. That was, perfect. That was one exactly minute. one minute. <laughs> That episode sounds bananas. Uh, yeah, it was it was it was terrible. Sounds like they were making it up uh, as they went. Sorry, sorry. Uh, One point seven scare. <laughs> wow, oh. that's probably the lowest score we've ever Bam. done. Yeah. Oh, just you wait. Well, I'll give you a review five. That's excellent. <laughs> All right, uh, Will. Ooh, three of eleven. Season one, episode fifty-one, City Beneath the Sea. All right, go for it. Okay, Duncan and I said King. Who could that be? Um, oh, the King are trying to understand ship disappearances, but they're interrupted by giggling in the hallway. They discover Adam is blindfolded and playing Marco Polo with some giggling babes who have flowers in their hair. The King lays into Adam about being irresponsible. Later, Adam gets the gets uh, gets I said gets the flirt on those ships. Oh, gets the dirt on those ship disappearances from Duncan and impresses the King. It's tight. By asking to go on a mission with Duncan to investigate the situation. Duncan and Adam find out that the underwater city, Aquatica, has been sucking down ships with a whirlpool device. Their ship gets captured and they learn from a fish wizard that the fish people are under a spell cast by a merman in a device. Adam and Duncan fight a giant lobster uh, that looked like the Lobstrosities from the Dark Tower series. They rescue the princess that merman kidnapped and reinstate her. Duncan says, judge people not by how they look, but how they behave. And I give it 3.5 seashell wizard caps. Good deal. Cool. Does it sound just pretty average? Is it Rebecca's right? turn? Oh, 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 yeah, three point five. Okay. Should I time myself, or are you gonna time me? Um, I can do it. Okay. All right. And what do you? What does Rebecca do? I've doing? got He-Man season one episode fifty-two, Tila's trial. Oh, yeah, you can see why we picked that one for you. It's a doozy. Okay. Enter the trial. Okay, so this is another one by the guy who wrote the Minds in Arcadia episode. Trapshaw wants to kidnap Man in Arms, who has just invented a teleporter. And also, by the way, Adam six attack track on Trapjaw, and we know attack track has murder in his heart. And I don't think he would have stopped. So he just like goes, which was great. So Duncan. Does get stopped and you know captured by um, Trapjaw eventually, but Tila feels it's her fault because she had to use the teleporter to get Duncan away from Trapjaw, and um, like, but it sent him somewhere where he got captured anyway. So she exiles herself to the wastelands and tries to resign as captain of the guard. She feels like all this shame, and then He-Man could just fix this all because he knows where Duncan is and go get her, but he has to let Tila help to go get her confidence back, Father, and also saves her from a desert snake, which is stupid. So he and T go together. He bosses her she kind of does a bad job and then they have to encourage her to use the teleporter again and tell her how to use it step by step you doing it Tayla really patronizing I don't like Tila being treated like a child you doing it. and um, in the moral Duncan recaps what a bad job she did by running away from her mistakes Whoa. and I give this how turd weird. one Lulu out of five Wow because it was awful I had such high hopes for this I one. know it wasn't Tila's trial all they did was say how what a bad job she did how she was running away from her problems because she felt shame over making a mistake so this was definitely not totally Tila. This was not totally Tila. This is totally toilet. <laughs> One out of five. And then also I said Lulu's because uh, He-Man says like a says like an old man to Skeletor. He goes, watch that first step. It's a Lulu. Oh, like, weird. I know. Well, it's that's weird. Good. That's why I got one. That's why it got one. <laughs> Everything else was the worst. We'll have to look up who wrote that one. So we no, it was David Wise. It was the same oh. guy who did the Arcadia episode. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. we'll, well we got our eye on you, David Wise. We're watching you. Mm-hmm. And I'm still angry. Okay. Well, I'm about to. I'm about to lift our spirits <laughs> because it's time for the return of Sir Orko, Knight of the Realm. And we're on five of 11. Yeah, five of 11. I'm reviewing He Man season one, episode 53, Driel's Return. Oh, okay. uh, 
Go. Okay, Driel and her family discover that Trapjaw and Clawful stole the Horn of Evil, so they visit Eternia to ask Orko for help. Driel's brother is named Yuckers. He has a ball cap and talks like he's from the Bronx in the 1930s. My name is Yuckers. Pleased to meet ya. It seems like the only boy Trollins wear a letter on their shirts. Uh, at some point, Trapjaw and Clawful play the Horn of Evil and bad things start happening in the woods. This is Clawful's, I thought it was first appearance. Uh, we talked about that. He-Man and Tila show up to help Orko. Tila whoops up on some folks, and I think they were toying with the idea of Tila getting the spinoff instead of making a She-Ra show. Yuckers ends up sounding the Horn of Evil because a sneezing powder prank goes wrong. This means Orko and Driel have to sing a song to stop the evil. It was uh, bizarre. Yuckers gets fooled at the end by Orko and learns a lesson about pranks. Orko has heart eyes when Driel leaves and Battlecat says he helps whatever Orko has is not catching. Attack track shot some falling meteors. Uh, 3.5 Yucker pranks. It was better than it had any right to be. I, I forgot to look at the time by the middle of the episode. It was quite good. Okay. Uh, did Yuckers, did he have a why? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, it was no. it was really something, <laughs> and the orca and the song they sang together was like the orco thing, but they would say like "Darkness turns to light," da 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 da, and it was it was just Darkness crazy. Darkness turns to light. Do 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 do. Triel is my girlfriend. Yeah, do, do, exactly. Do, do, do. You got it. <laughs> you got it. What? It was it was. That's bonkers. It was beautiful. I want to see lots more of yuckers. Was it Jingle Bells? Jingle Bells? Jingle bells? <laughs> it's up there. It's definitely in the American Songbook of uh, Eternia. Uh, <laughs> well, that sounds crazy. Oh, oh! Speaking of crazy, I, I'm dying to hear about this next one. All right, so we're at six of eleven. <laughs> yeah. And Scott, what are you? Yeah, what are you doing for us, Scott? I'm doing He-Man season one. Episode 54, Game Plan. All right, go for it. Okay, uh, Prince Adam is a sculptor, and he uses a laser to make a sculpture of Sir Orko. <laughs> Two Jawa-looking dudes named Nerbs communicate <laughs> with Negator and the Game Maker. Man-at-Arms uh, man says no one too many times, and Negator blows up blows up the dam. He-Man stops uh, stops the water with a giant boulder. Negator tricks Tila, and Man-at-Arms submits to Negator to uh, because he has Tila. Uh, He-Man goes to save them, and Negator uh, gets bulked up by the nerves, nerve guys with their lightning eyes uh, to fight He-Man. A tentacle cloud grabs He-Man and puts him where Tila is. They escape with the help of Battle Cat, he-Man and Ram-Man get sucked into the game, and they have a fight with a bunch of monsters in the game. They ride a giant arrow uh, to defeat all the monsters at once. Negator gets all the energy from the nerves and goes into the computer, and everything blows up. Okay, okay. Um, and I just want to say there's one line from where uh, Ram-Man uh, rams the air vent, uh -huh. and... Uh, <clears throat> Battle Cat goes dumb but effective. <laughs> <laughs> he would say that. Yeah. Okay. So just to be clear, did they enter a video game? Um, it was like a. It wasn't a video game. I guess it was. It was a computer system, but like they like uh, they got like sucked into it. it yeah. Was, it. I don't know. You, you, it, it, it wasn't like video game, video game. It, it was, was the like, closest they could get. Yeah. Well, it, you posted a picture on Instagram of them riding some giant arrow. I guess that was the, in the computer system. They yeah, that, that's, okay. that, that's how they defeated everybody at the end, is that <laughs> is that they jumped on and He-Man like strong-armed it back towards the monsters. Interesting. Oh, okay. and it's uh, 4.2 uh, uh, tentacle clouds. Okay. All right. Interesting. 
All right, moving right along. Uh, we're at 7 of 11. This is He-Man, Season 1, Episode 55, Eye of the Beholder. Okay, I'm ready for it. Okay, He-Man is feeling weak and tired, but the cause is not low iron in his diet, and so is Man-at-Arms, and so is Orko, so what's afoot? And Man-at-Arms figures out that it's because of lowered oxygen levels in the air. So, of course, He-Man runs full sprint to Castle Grayskull because he doesn't understand science and how oxygen works. Uh, and then Sorceress literally explains photosynthesis to He-Man. Ah. And it turns out the Sea of Etern Eternity is being drained and it's withering the forest and, and therefore compromising the oxygen supply. So He-Man goes to the Mystic Mountains with a canister of oxygen to, like, go fix it. Weird. On the way, he helps these bug people who keep calling him ugly, which was a good gag, and then, like, they're ugly and that's the gag and it's a thing. And so, because he helps them, a bug, whose name is Garth for some reason, says, let us hurry to the Sea of Eternity as friends. Oh, and then Skeletor is behind this, by the way, draining the Sea of Eternity, um, wants to weaken Eternity, or Eternia like he does. Garth helps stop Skeletor's pump. He becomes a flying man because, I don't know, sea magic. And now the bug dudes will guard the Sea of Eternity forever. And the moral was inner beauty. All right. 3.8 3. Garths. Okay. It was weird, but it was all right. When you said no oxygen, I thought it was because uh, Jarvon showed up. <laughs> <laughs> Jarvon showed up with his, uh, his gas wizardness. Uh, so it, it, was a, it was a dubious problem. Okay. All right. But, all right. But we got through it. Okay. So what's what's next? Again? All right. Yeah, we're hitting so the She-Ra episodes now. Oh, yeah. yeah so we're, now we're at the She-Ra episodes. She this she is uh, 8 of 11, and Scott has... Uh, She-Ra, season 1, episode 34... Troll's dream. Okay. Uh, Adora's gone from camp, uh, and a troll arrives at the camp, and and they capture him. Adora comes back and goes with. Uh, she they free the troll, um, and she goes with the troll to go visit the troll king. The king had a dream most disturbing, and he saw the door with the uh, spider of the crystal. Um, Gronks travels with the rebels to stop uh, stop the horde from freeing the spider, the crystal spider. At Skullpath, they are attacked by bone bats. Gronks saves everyone, and the rebels rethink that the hatred for the trolls. Gronks is captured, then the rebels have to go to save Gronks. Um, meanwhile, Scorpia and Shadow Weaver uh, free the crystal spider. The rebels save Gronks and apologize for uh, mistrusting Gronks. They, they meet up and try to stop the spider. The troll crane shows up, and him and She-Ra trap the spider in stone, and everyone loves trolls now. <laughs> I'm glad the trolls came back. I do like the trolls. Yeah. Um, did, did they play Bum Bum? They did not play Bum Bum. Uh, 2.6 crystal spider webs, and the uh, uh, Lucky's moral was get enough sleep. <laughs> oh, dream. Okay. Yeah, yeah it All was right. a dream. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. That's weird. That's a funny one. All right, 9 of 11. Will. Okay, uh, we're doing uh, She-Ra, Season 1, Episode 35, Gateway to Trouble. All right, open that gate. All right, while Adam visits Etheria, Skeletor is testing a gateway machine with Tongue, who is apparently a free agent snake man, and Modulok, who is a four-legged, fanged, ant-headed, mad scientist creature. He was also the best toy, uh, like, of the 80s. Skeletor wants to transport Castle Grayskull to Etheria so the royal family becomes Hordak's problem, but Modulok thinks he can get a better employment deal with Hordak, so he flees through his own gate, meets with Hordak, and becomes an official Horde member. Skeletor follows Modulok to Etheria and agrees to a truce with He-Man and She-Ra. 
Spratina brings Skeletor some soup, which she calls Spoo. Skeletor says, I don't want any Spoo. I hate Spoo. I don't even know what Spoo is. <laughs> he hates Etheria. He-Man and She-Ra <laughs> trick Hordak into overloading the gate machine and Hordak's invasion spaceships end up on some weird planet with mad ball butt monsters. Modulok is demoted from scientist to Horde cook for his failure. Lucky says, don't go inside a gateway to trouble. <laughs> 4.3 bowls of spoo. I was going to say, that sounded pretty good. Like, when I heard of it. Yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty good. It was yeah. pretty good. Modulok's great. All right, so um, if you're wondering what happened to She-Ra, Season 1, Episode 36, The Unicorn King, that was in a previous episode that mm -hmm. we reviewed. Um, so in full, yeah. In full, so look on our episode guide if you want to see some Periscope nonsense with uh, Mantena and Hordak. Okay, and that brings me to She-Ra Season 1, Episode 37, The Anxious Apprentice. Yeah, and this would be uh, 10 of 11 for us. So, 10 of 11. Uh, our second to last one. And go. All right, it's a cast a spell episode. Yay! She has an apprentice, Ariel, who loses a spell book and Scorpia gets it. Essentially, that's the whole thing. But it's not just any spell book. It's the Book of Spells. A, not a great name, but it's very important in Mysticor. And so Ariel <laughs> looks like a ginger Taylor Swift. That's her <laughs> thing. She's got big ponytail wide set eyes she's like a grown-up version of the idiot kid villager who goes off and gets in trouble so she steals a spell book because she thinks she's real good she accidentally starts a fire she-ra has to fix it by rolling the sod up in a wheel and like hucking it like they do ariel goes to the forbidden zone to practice and scorpia gets her scorpia is a great foil for her because she's so dirty voiced and graceless <laughs> and then so she-ra whoops everybody and says tell hordak sorry and i hope i won't see him soon but then they got to go back and stop Scorpia from ruining all of Mysticor with the book. And then Ariel almost falls in a flame pit. And then she's like, help. And then She-Ra saves Scorpia and Ariel. And Ariel's like, I'm an idiot. And I learned my lesson. And She-Ra fixed the rent land with all the flames by using her rope as laces and sewing it up. And Ariel learned a lesson. And then she did a spell to make flowers everywhere. And Lukey says, practice. 3.5 land laces out of I was just, I was, I, I was crazy. I love that it there's was. kind of like a Norton's anthology of spells. That's yes. just sort of like the basic one everybody has to have. The book of spells. That's but awesome. it was ridiculous when she made peace with Casta Spella by making a spell where they had like flowers everywhere and like in their uh -huh. hair. It was dumb. Casta Spell always has pretty magic. Yeah. Yes. Um, y'all would have, well, I don't know if you would have, but cast a spell is like pad, like her crib uh -huh. where the apprentices and everyone hangs out. Well decorated. <laughs> the first well decorated place we've seen in this whole series. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And our final one. Yay. All right. This is 11 of 11, right? Yep. Yes. Um, okay. I'm doing uh, She-Ra season one, episode 38. Zoo story. All right. Okay. Uh, animals are disappearing from the forest. Uh, Black Shadow grabs a rare bird, and uh, Shira and uh, Bo witness it. Uh, they see the horde con convoy with Grizzler and Mantena. Grizzler keeps ramming Mantena's car because he's going too slow, <laughs> and uh, uh, and he laughs like crazy. Um, <laughs> and Shira stops them and discovers they are carrying empty cages. Uh, she threatens Mantena and tells to tell him where the cages are going. He tells him, uh, Kyle meets a female, whatever bird he is, uh, named Kaula. Um, they are taken by the Black Shadow. Kyle finds out the Black Shadow is named Boltak. He's gathering the animals for Hordak Zoo. Kyle and the other animals plot to get out, and he uses a card trick that Bo taught him to trick the guards to escape. He gets out, and then he gets caught again by Boltak. And then Bo and She-Ra come and save him, um, free all the animals, and Kyle and Kala get to know each other better. 
and uh, the moral of the story is freedom. <laughs> you know, like uh, it's better to be free than mm-hmm. to be engaged. Uh, One point nine Voltex shrieks. Okay, so good. It was in the lightning round. It sounds like. Yeah, it was. What, it was not. Were there any cool animals in the zoo? I, uh, I'm trying to uh, see if there's ever there's a legitimate there, reason I mean, for no, these horrible no, no. zoos. I mean, k- kind of. Not. I mean, they didn't really show that. They showed a couple cages and okay. stuff like that, but it was. Yeah. I can't believe that there's a cow love, but we can't get one antenna in here. Yeah. Where yeah. are you, one antenna? It was literally cow with eyelashes. <laughs> that is hilarious. And, and a woman voice. That's funny. Aww. I'd take a stuffed animal of that. Okay, that was a good lightning round. Yeah. We had we had uh, a lot of new stuff, and I think we're going to be easing into uh, season two stuff and see a lot more uh, princesses and other characters and such. Well, I hope so. <laughs> That's our show for today. Thanks for listening. Next week, we'll be reviewing Season 1, Episode 55 of She-Ra. Loki lends a hand. Oh, brother. Uh, Loki becomes canon, and I, Rebecca, must respect him according to the script that Will has written for me. (laughs) I'm proud of myself. Uh, If you'd like to follow along with the show and see uh, when Rebecca praises Loki, you can find our episode guide at thewizardsnightshirt.com. If you have questions or comments for us to discuss, you can email us at rumors at thewizardsnightshirt.com. And did you know you could also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram? And subscribe to our show on iTunes, of course. We want to thank you for listening, and please remember, don't rescue the fountain of life to impress a lady. Do it for yourself, and for the good of all. Malik. from you, I'll take that as a compliment.